0: Ada had to some my VAKAVATO ARAHATO and not more Tasa. Rakawato Ada had to some my some Buddhas munchantu sadang. So this is the big night, (laughs) it's already next year in Australia, and no great harmful effects from Y2K have been noticed so far, Uh, so we only have about three and a half hours. And then this this uh, perceptual change will take place, uh, uh, and we'll call it the uh, we'll be entering the third millennium. So uh, these are perceptions of time that we give importance to, and. Time is uh, is an interesting uh, subject to contemplate because uh, we do believe it, that it is real and we tend to assume uh, that time is reality. And so just the age of our bodies, uh, we, we identify uh, with how old our bodies are or we, we say... Amarvati is now fifteen years old or I've uh, been among so many vasas and then this is the uh, beginning to be the year two thousand and yet in Buddhist terms it's uh, two thousand five hundred and forty three But these are th- this is uh, the past, the present, the future. Uh, in terms of experience, we contemplate this in meditation, so that we're we're not just adhering to conventions, uh, unquestioningly believing in in what people say is real. We're testing it out, and I found this uh, you know in terms of of my own experience. Uh, because naturally, I would just, just assume time was reality and didn't didn't bother to question it till I started meditating. And then I would say, what is the past right now? Because in I, in reality, there's only now. There's never a future or a past, uh, except the in terms of experience, it's always now. So we're always us. A, a Whatever uh, time it is, or wherever you are, it's it's here and it's now. And yet, our past can be our obsession, and we can feel guilt-ridden, remorseful, uh, all kinds of resentments uh, about past experiences. But that is happening now, and then we. When we bring up, when we resent anything of the past, that's, that, that is due to remembering something now, because you don't resent things all the time. It's only when you remember something, and that moment is, is now. Or the future uh, is, um, the other perception that we give a lot of importance to, especially when you're young, isn't it? You give, the future is is the, where everything, you hope everything's going to, you're going to get all your wishes fulfilled. That's the, the great potential, the possibility, the unknown, uh, the probability for both success, failure, um, good fortune, misfortune, whatever. But in terms of what is the future now? It's, uh, it's the unknown. The future but it's by contemplating this so that we can actually notice, consciously witness to the way it is. Because we, we can live in a world of speculation about probabilities, what might happen, uh, what we fear might happen, anticipation, dread are conditions that we create in the present. And then we even hold to, th- to the present as, uh, as uh, some kind of reality, uh, and attach the idea that of being present here and now. Even that is another perception we attach to. So the aim is to see, th- to, to recognize the limitation of, of, uh, s- uh, Vedana, sanya sankara of the, of the feeling, the perception, and and mental formations that that arise in the present, be able to see them and know them for what they are, rather than just operate from uh, I- in reactive ways to um, the habits that we've acquired. Otherwise, we're just creatures of habit, helplessly lost in in the habits that we have. So in in terms of convention, then we're entering the the third millennium. This temple, I was contemplating, was built to last one millennium. (laughs) And it's just really beginning. This is, uh, we had the the uh, official opening on July the 4th, another auspicious day, uh, 4th of July uh, of 1999 and then the kind of historical significant moment uh, where this temple was was officially opened and then for the first, for the third millennium A thousand years is uh, is is another perception. As we we to us, a thousand years is a long time because none of us can remember uh, any, anything beyond our own lifetime. So we, but just for the fun of it, when we started uh, contemplating building a temple, we thought, well, if we want it to last a thousand years at least. So the foundations are very strong here. They pour tons of concrete into the ground and and uh, built out of sturdy materials. Uh, hopefully, it will last a thousand years. And we like to think, what, what wonder what it will be like a thousand years from now? Will it still be a Buddhist temple? It might be some kind of, you know. Uh, Cyber Café or something. <laughs> I think of all the, the churches that have been built and you know, they're becoming nightclubs and warehouses. And But the the, the interesting, uh, the really, the 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 liberation from suffering, liberation from delusion, is is what we're here for. This is the the raison d'etre, the purpose for our uh, coming to a place like this. Because uh, to to be free from the from the limitations that we are bound to through our cultural and social conditioning. But when you think of how limited we are just through the way we think or the way we emote, we acquire these habits and we think in certain ways and we see ourselves in very limited ways and, and this uh, tends to limit our experience to rather dreary patterns, oftentimes. And as you get older, uh, it can be even more dreary, because at least when you're younger, there's a certain vitality to your habits that become increasingly more dreary as you get into middle age and beyond, unless you do something about it. So we see... uh, uh, listening to the news tonight about the, all the uh, f- uh, fantastic things that are going on in the world, and, uh, uh, you know, about the, this millennium, century-millennium celebration is, you uh, know, in London now, they're probably uh, everybody's having a really good time, and... <laughs> I heard they had put on a fantastic show in Paris and Sydney. Had absolutely knockout entertainment, and and they, uh, and then they've opened. Uh, now you can you can stop. Uh, they've legalized. Uh, I think extended the opening periods for the pubs in England, so that uh, now you can drink till what? on the New Year, anyway. <laughs> and so uh, they're putting on these shows and entertainments. And then we think of what we've been doing here for this past week is, is uh, an interesting experiment in, in not seeking entertainment, it? but in, in um, doing something for the welfare, our own welfare, and the welfare of all sentient beings for the next millennium. So this peace vigil, is uh, the purpose of it, at least, what when when I thought of it, was a, an act of giving, of really trying to to offer something to the world that we live in uh, that is is uh, very much needed, uh, rather than making endless demands for shows and entertainment from the world because there's so much of that already, but to put forth the effort so. Ma- Many of us, uh, many of you, have been uh, doing this for the past since the uh, 28th. This uh, peace vigil and the beautiful support, the the uh, fantastic food that is provided, and the <laughs> the uh, just the general atmosphere of generosity and and attention and giving and uh, keeping the uh, moral precepts and, and taking care of one's mind and doing what is uh, kind, what is benevolent, what is useful as, a, as an offering for this uh, next century and next millennium. Because this is something that we can do. You know, we, d- we can question whether this has really has had a, any significant effect on the next millennium or not. But that's not the point, is that we don't need to know that it's really uh, what we're doing is, is really going to pay off. Because in its own way, it's its own reward. And then I find it's the, it's the, you know, think of the, what have I gotten out of meditation all these years and uh, what kind of benefits and achievements or attainments have I received from committing myself to monastic life for so long. And we think then the worldly mind wants to conceive of some some, some kind of reward for having been a monk for thirty three years. But that doesn't seem important to 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 the to me to feel that I've been rewarded in some way, for for living this life. Because it's its own reward in every moment that one is mindful. So just contemplate that. It's the the reward of just being mindful for one moment. Uh, Being mindful is the reward of being mindful. Because that moment, (laughs) you've not been caught up into the delusions of the of the uh, uh society and the world that we live in this um, this uh the being it, its own reward it c- does take uh, a measure of faith because. The thinking mind, of course, doesn't see it like that. We see ourselves in terms of, of time-conditioned creatures that have to, there's something we've got to do. Uh, we've, got, we've got to get something we don't have. We've got to become something that we're not right now. We've got to get rid of things, uh, emotions, thoughts, habits that we have now that we shouldn't have. If we're going to be enlightened beings in the future, we've got to get rid of our anger and greed and things like that. We've got to become, have more met, metta, more compassion, be, become more patient. We've got to become something because the way we are right now uh, is we're not, we're not good enough. We see ourselves in terms of the, uh, we're some, there's something wrong or something not quite up to pie, and not quite made it. So, and then this this whole way of thinking and perceiving, if you never see through it, then uh, even after 30, 40, 50, 60 years of uh, intense meditation, you'll still be stuck with the same problem. <laughs> You've never kind of gotten through the original Obstruction. So it's not taking a position that there's nothing wrong with me, and that I'm perfectly enlightened as I am, and it's not—it's not holding to a viewpoint about myself in any way, or or denying uh, faults that I have and weaknesses, and that it's not not a matter of denying it or justifying it. Or convincing myself that I'm somebody who is enlightened, but in learning to recognize this whole melodrama that takes place for what it is, and so um, mindfulness is is our ability to it's a it's a it's tuning in. Or how would best describe it? It's it's kind of entering a s- the a transcendent position. in which you're witnessing you're watching you're you're aware your mind is open in a state of a natural state not not a created artificial condition state that we're after but a very natural state that we tend to overlook and dismiss or not even recognize because uh, we're so caught up with the extremities of our habits, our emotions and thoughts. So learning to listen, to, to calm down, to be patient, to listen, to pay attention, to awaken. And then we can see the, the views we have about, I am, I've got a Problem with this, and I need to get rid of that in order to become. I begin to see that is a creation of my mind, rather than the position I start with and I hold to. So when we when we talk about the dhamma as a direct thing, say, one who practices directly, uju in This uh, it's so direct. It's uh, it's. Uh we we tend to miss out all the time, because we're we're not used to that something that obvious and simple and direct. It's easier to, I think, to spend, for most of you, probably to study Abhidharma, and memorize lists of abstract words, than to sit and just watch and listen and open to the present. And it's easier to study all about Buddhism in, in, uh, and, and get PhDs in Buddhist uh, philosophy than to uh, trust in the simple act of attention. Because in worldly terms, it doesn't seem like very much. It's not. It, it looks worthless. Uh, it, it doesn't doesn't it doesn't it doesn't show us off we 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 don't, we have no accolades for being mindful we do, we don't get nobel prizes or or uh, usually in your, when you want to uh, increase your status in the monastic sangha you don't meditate you go to buddhist universities and learn all all kinds of, of uh, uh, subjects and then get to know the right people. Then you become, get, you get titles and things like that. And it's interesting when the Buddha established the Sangha, Bhikkhu Sangha, that was its aim. Was, its aim was to, to move out of that whole realm of titles and positions. So the Bhikkhu is like a, alms mendicant, it's, a, it's a kind of outside the society. You're dependent on the society. You're not a, you're, you're like a beggar. You you have no, you're, you're giving up rights over wealth, property and social position, political power, and all of that to, to live a life, uh, say, based on uh, Moral precepts and meditation. So uh, that is—it's is, not like having a status in, and even though in in, in Buddhist countries, bhikkhus get a lot of respect, and then the people respect them. But uh, so that oftentimes people get the wrong impression that we're kind of priesthood, uh, a special organ- elite group of priests that need to be respected. But when you when you uh consider what the Buddha was doing when he established the Bhikkhu Sangha, Bhikkhuni Sangha, was to to get us out of that whole mess of status, social status and position. So respect isn't isn't demanded, it's not, it's uh, something that that uh, people can show respect, if they or they they don't have to. It's not not a demand made on anybody. And if we're worthy of respect, then the respect that people give us is is uh, is uh, uh, fine. Nothing nothing uh, dangerous in that. But but in but taking our position in, in some, kind of, uh, some kind of special caste or special profession uh, and seeing ourselves in terms of, of, of a priesthood, I think, is very dangerous. So in, uh, when I consider myself, I, uh, I'm legally, in this country, legally registered as bhikkhu Sumato, beggar sumeto so that that uh, this reminds me of uh of you know the the aspiration of my life to to be uh to not be uh seek position or to be uh to emphasize myself as some kind of special specially privileged being but one who is uh practicing meditation living uh in a way that uh, is of benefit to myself and to the uh, society I'm living in. So during this, uh, this peace vigil for the millennium, where all of us are doing this, aren't we? We're all here to, to offer something to the, to the world that we live in, toward the planet, to, for the welfare of all beings for the next millennium. So even the, the pain or the discomfort or inconvenience that we experience here uh, and all that is somehow even welcomed because we're we're not here to seek to be entertained or to have an easy time, be feel good and comfortable and safe, but to to exert ourselves, put ourselves into a position where we 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 learn to be a little more patient, little more considerate little less obsessed with ourselves and where we we dedicate the result of our lives and share the the blessings of our lives uh, with all sentient beings. Metta practice for example is something that uh, is very inspiring in Buddhism because it uh, metta is uh, is the term loving kindness, which means it includes every all conditioned phenomena, everything, absolutely everything. There's nothing we don't have metta for, everything, every condition, good or bad, whatever extreme, uh, on the spectrum of of beautiful or ugly, useful or useless, right or wrong. So uh, just think what that really is saying in terms of our own experience that this metta is uh, translated into English as loving kindness, which tends to give it a kind of um, a kind of emotive uh, power that it that sometimes uh, uh, may it, it can be misleading for us because w- we, loving kindness is is almost a it's a bit of a high sentiment of the mind of the heart. Where metta, say in a practical way, like say loving your enemies. In Christianity, in the the, the Jesus Christ, said to love your enemies. And and I remember feeling. Uh, how can you love your enemies? You yeah, if somebody wants to do you in. How can you love them? Uh, <laughs> because uh, my version of love at that time was was a kind of sentimental version, based on really liking, you know, liking something, liking someone. But metta is isn't isn't doesn't mean you like anything. It means you're willing to accept things for what they are. It's non-critical. It's accepting. It's non-judgmental. And as we're mindful, then we, we when we begin to trust in our mind and being mindful, that, that ability to be mindful accepts whatever we're feeling or experiencing. whether it's good or bad, right or wrong. It's not criticizing, it's not uh, making any conditions, making any judgments. So when we spread metta it's to to all sentient beings, uh, born, unborn, seen, unseen, uh, from the highest uh, of the most beautiful angelic beings to the lowest, the most Horrible, hellish ones. All gradations in between those two extremes. Now, in 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 developing metta, then, what that does, uh, as if it's if it's done in the right way, is allows us to accept the flow of life. In, in as we experience it, because we 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 haven't. Usually, are we are developed in the other way to be critical and judgmental of everything. So we have a bad thought, and then we then we criticize ourselves for having a bad thought, or we somebody does something, some evil act, and then we we want to uh, punish them in some way, want to uh, get even with them, or uh, you can see that the the mind, the conditioning of the mind, is one towards uh, wanting to punish evil actions and reward good ones. The carrot and the stick ty- kind of culture. They're rewarded for being good and punished for being bad. Uh, and so this, this of course, we can see, uh, you know, uh, in our own cultural background, how even God in the Old Testament was punishing the Jews when they were naughty and rewarding them when they were good. So it's a, it's a kind of basic pattern, isn't it, in that we can all relate to is when, you know, those of you who have families and that, you punish the children when they're naughty and, and reward them when they're good. So it, there's nothing even wrong with that, I'm not criticizing that, but as a position to take, as an ultimate reality, it doesn't work because uh, it's, well, all we'd end up is of do, um, doing if we never get beyond that kind of mental habit. Is that we we do it to ourselves? We hate ourselves when we th- when we uh, when we have bad thoughts or have uh, negative emotions, and 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 we we can be very judgmental, very guilt-ridden, very obsessed with our, with negativity and we, and and we also, it goes outward to others and then we criticize and, and blame each other all the time for showing weaknesses, for not living up to our expectations, for not being good enough, and, and, and so living in a community, monastic community, Do this all the time, other people's blame, judgment, because that's how the mind is is conditioned to think. So metta then is, is learning to, it's an, it's an intelligent state. It's not like a kind of stupid state of everything's okay. It's not. Just, you know, refusing to notice any differences or that evil is, is, is evil or, or trying to say everything's good. It's not that. It, so, but it's, not a, its function is not to criticize but to embrace. Uh, so it's a, it's a total state. It, it, it's a non-divisive ability that we can develop. Because love is is unitive, isn't it? It unites, it brings together and, uh, and the function of love is unity. And, and so metta then is, is uh, like unconditioned love. It's, it's uh, unitive rather than divisive. When we get critical then we divide, isn't it? The, the critical mind is always saying this is right, that's wrong, this is good, this is bad. This is what should be, and it shouldn't be like that. And that has a function also, not to, I'm not despising that function, but as a way of interpreting one's life and living one's life, it can only uh, make us suffer uh, unbearably because we're always, uh, you know, observing that, that things shouldn't be the way they are. that the world we live in, somehow there's something wrong with it, or no, something wrong with 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 me, or with you, because we're not perfect, we're not what, what should be. Oh, the Buddha, in his uh, great compassion, uh, is the knower of the world, knows that the, w- the way the world is. So it has all these variations, permutations, changing, so birth and death, and And uh, right and wrong, good and bad, uh, beautiful and ugly, uh, true and false, they all belong. Everything belongs in this realm. Uh, There's nothing that you can conceive of that doesn't belong here. So the Y2K bug belongs. Uh, All the germs and the... And the uh, the nasty stuff, and the maniacs, and the psychopaths, as well as all the moral majority and the good folk. Uh, everything belongs. Just contemplate this: that everything belongs here. So uh, this this uh, th- uh, this puts us in a position of looking at the world no longer through trying to. Endlessly trying to to control it and manipulate it by getting rid of what shouldn't be here and trying to hang on as, as much as we can to what we think should be here. But we're more we we realize we can we can flow with life, roll with the flow, as they say. We can we can be with the flow of our conscious experience because we're no no longer committed to controlling it. To trying to, to to get rid of the bad and hold on to the good. In terms of action and speech, we determine to do good and refrain from doing bad things. So that's the sila, the foundation of our life. Is in terms of of what we do, what we act on, and speak. Mm-hmm. How we use our voice, our speech, and, and our bodies, is to use them for what is good and refrain from using them for what is bad. But in terms of what arises in consciousness, then the good, the bad, the neutral, we know it for what it is, we know it, we know it is what it is, and we know that it it is not uh, we we don't make it into something more than what it is so in this way we we begin to trust in a, in awareness we can relax we can flow with life we can uh be with with the flow of our lives in whatever way that ha- has to be we're not making any more kind of deals or trying to to get the best and and the uh, that we'll get all the good things and none of the bad ones because we're quite willing to accept what we what we get. Our karma, as we say, we, the, the, we have our, each individual has their own karma. And we we learn from that, we use that by paying attention to old age, sickness, death, loss of the loved, the irritations, frustrations of life uh, the 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 way we think and feel the the fairness the unfairness the injustices and the justices and the the things that happen to us, because we're no longer identifying with it or. Or being caught in the in the, in the assumption that it 's mine, and that i 've got to uh, get get hold of something i don 't have yet, and i 've got to get rid of something I have that i shouldn 't so this this is say bringing uh, uh, taking human consciousness to its ultimate perfection. It's not that any of us become perfect people, because people are basically, our nature is imperfect. <laughs> so, so you, you're never going to see a perfect monk or nun. We're always, we'll always, we'll, we'll disappoint you in so many ways, you can count on it. And, uh, because that's not where the perfection is. Uh, it's in, uh, in our willing, in, in our understanding, we can have perfect understanding. And then, then this, is, to me, is what you know to say the the Buddha was was pointing to what the value of our human state, our human condition we can speculate about what's the point of being human. <coughs> I used to think, what what is the purpose of of this life? And it all seemed meaningless to me. I remember when I was young, didn't seem to have any meaning in it. It was, uh, I thought it was just a, a, a rather bad joke, really. And uh, so used to have long-time long death wishes, and you have to spend the whole life with this stuff. And, <laughs> and I couldn't see any point in, in getting, having money or any of the things that were considered uh, the, the purpose of, of many people's lives, for, for position and wealth. But uh, then uh, coming across Buddhism uh, it, it, uh, this kind of faith arose in my mind. A faith and a trust because this, this was something I really wanted to do. I wanted to find out what, what life is about. And I knew that you couldn't do it just by uh, somebody telling me. And then, I mean, m- are there many people willing to tell me what it's all about? <laughs> but even though oftentimes what they said was quite inspiring or quite good, it, it didn't really register, didn't, didn't uh, really reach me. Uh, it, because it, it was something more than just uh, having it explained to me by somebody else. It's a, like a journey, it's, a, it's a, an individual realization. So each one realizes for themselves and then the none of us can, I can't tell you and and then you'll suddenly, you're supposed to believe what I say or you're supposed to suddenly feel the same thing I do, uh, because it's its an individual thing. But now I realize that this, this opportunity we have in this with the human form, and that it is I still don't understand what the purpose of it really is. But I do appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to meditate and to live uh, in this human state during this time. And being able to use this, this uh, lifetime in a way that I feel that I can respect and in a way I feel is of benefit uh, to others as well. So this evening, the um, the we have uh, um, this uh, forgiveness, uh, starting the millennium, new the third millennium with the uh, with the mind is absolutely pure, which is p- or pure anyway. You don't really have to burn any piece of paper. <laughs> but But sometimes these things help. I'm going to burn a piece of paper. (laughs) I spent the afternoon writing out. Because it it does, it gives a significance to this moment of of, uh, really uh, going, uh, taking this opportunity, this convention of, of, uh, the millennium, the century millennium, the new year, and and using it in a skillful way. You know, one can just laugh at it and say it's, it's a bunch of rubbish and, or dismiss it and it's not even Buddhist, it's Christian, and we can just push it aside as irrelevant. That's one way of looking at it. Or, we can just get lost in the what everybody else is doing, uh, or we can use it skillfully. This is what, uh, what we're trying to do here is use this this occasion uh, to for our own awakening and for our own sense of of really putting aside, putting things down. Say your past for example, all the, the, the things that you carry about your things you've done or what have been done to you in the past and we can we can carry these things through a lifetime if we if we have no if we take no if we make no occasion to to just put them aside to f- to let them go so uh, psychologically it, it works can work be quite effective because it's time to just let go of everything of this millennium of this uh, this century it's like just let it Write it all out, the things that kind of, uh, that you're holding on to, or any kind of guilt, or remorse, or resentments that you feel, or uh, you kind of admit your own faults, and things that you've done that were unkind and dishonest to others, and ask forgiveness, and, and forgive everyone who's harmed you, hurt you, frustrated you, uh, in some way or another in your lifetime, which probably most people we, we all manage to frustrate each other uh, to a certain degree or exasperate each other but but <coughs> and you don 't have to uh, you know spend uh, hours writing out lists, but just uh, something that will will g- we'll bring this to your to to make this a kind of fully conscious experience, and then we 'll circumambulate out in the cloister, chanting, uh, what is it? Putal uh, karuna mahano, the Buddha absolutely pure with ocean-like compassion. We can't do better than that. <coughs> Walk around three times and then uh, burn these little, these papers, maybe you've got tablets of <laughs> <laughs> uh, and watch them go up in and smoke and, this, and, and then determined to just let go of all that. It's like it's finished and, uh, and, and uh, starting anew, the new year, new century, new millennium. Uh, so you start it th- and the, the reality of we start new, uh, anew every moment when we're mindful. The more mindful you are, it's like it, it's always starting anew, it's uh, this moment is, is is all that we have. So the more we, we open to this moment now, then we're not we're letting go of, of things, of the past. We're not uh, uh, we're not carrying things from the past in, and holding them and, and obsessing our mind in this present moment or giving a lot of, uh, uh, giving our soul attention to future possibilities. So we began to experience the states like bliss because bliss is a result of being present here and now rather than, than uh, being, feeling high, uh, getting high. And we have to Remind ourselves all the time because the world is an intimidating thing, and you know, the future is very important. And future of Amravati, and and uh, then we've got to uh, you know the the millennium, the century, and all the 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 population problem, the the pollution, uh, all these things are you know ser- are signs of you know very great concern. Not to dismiss them either. But they're the result, uh, the, you know, the, these, uh, these results are from ignorance, not from enlightenment. Uh, the uh, wars, the, the pollution, the uh, desecration of the environment and all that is due to ignorance, not, not due to enlightenment. So the more we, we move toward enlightenment, Toward seeing things as they really are, then these, these problems will we, we'll be less, will we, we'll be, we'll be solvable, and we, we will not uh, promote that ourselves. We have a way of, of influencing consciousness that moves, uh, say, the human population toward its fulfillment. Because to me, it's much more worthy to think of the human population as potential enlightened beings rather than uh, uh, a a bunch of uh, greedy consumers, selfish, vain uh, consumers, like capitalist society sees us. Just think of yourself as uh, what an ugly thing to think of. Your whole purpose of life is to consume things. Like one of these big hamburgers you see advertised, Burger King, we piled high with things, and you just, w- and your mouth has to stretch as wide as you can <laughs> to fit it in to get a bite off this huge, enormous hamburger. The consumer. Is that the purpose? One can you can, can, you can see it like that if you want, but also another way, is I find it's much more useful to, to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not being naive or optimistic, but it's better to give every single human being the benefit of the doubt, no matter how hopeless they might seem. Or how evil they uh, evil things that they've done rather than just holding them in the, in the perception of uh, in, in a in a negative perception with aversion and wanting to to re- seek revenge or get even with them towards recognizing their potential, so like in certain schools of Buddhism, they see everybody as a Buddha Well, I find that? I quite like doing that. You're all Buddhas. That gives me my relationship to you then is much more respectful, and I think of, although well, you know, she's this way and he's that way, <laughs> and going along with the with the memories or the biases that I might have. So this is this a is way to experiment with the mind, you know, we, we, the Buddha pointed to the malleability of conscious, how we can use conscious experience in different ways. We're not just fixed in a set pattern, even though you might think you are. You, the human mind is, is very kind of versatile, malleable. And so this versatility, is that we can look at things in different ways, we're not, we don't have. Uh, look at it in just this way. So it's not just trying to convince ourselves everybody's a Buddha and then and then and then uh, in a kind of naive and foolish way. But it it is a way of, of looking at each other that that brings say our relationship towards respect and and realizing that potential more and more rather than reinforcing each other's uh, habits or prejudices or fears. Then in terms of relationships and that that we have in, in the society, in the groups, the communities or families that we live in, we, 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 we can learn from each other. That even the the most uh, difficult and seemingly impossible situations is an, is an o- occasion for learning rather than uh just holding to it as some something that's ruining my life or ruining my peace of mind so it's it's learning too y you're recognizing the, this uh, this Gift we do have: human form, consciousness, feeling, planet Earth. Uh, in this vast, mysterious universe, and and how to make the most of it in a way that that uh, that our whole life then has its significance. And then like now, I feel getting elderly and feel uh, an interest in age rather than a resentment. Talk to some men my age and they say, oh, yeah, 66 now, getting old. old. I'm not really old yet. I'm 66 years young. (laughs) They'll say funny things like that. They'll they'll say, you know, they'll try to pretend that uh, they're not that old. Or they, they see it as a kind of demeaning uh, experience because uh, identity of say with youth has has never been you know we hold that is the maybe the the ultimate in human achievement is certain the forties or something like that but then in in, in old age also you're learning. Isn't it? It's part of one's life. You're learning from the flow of your life. From the way it is. From the way the body changes and so forth. So we we're willing now to learn from life and learn the the, the, the from the conditions that we have to experience whether we're willing to learn from them or not something else. But encouraging this This willingness to learn and to understand the dhamma, so now i'll end this talk for this evening, and uh, we can prepare what it, what is the next thing is to go out well but while we're still here we we want to practice the chant will you will you be the do you want to do that now okay and then uh and then we'll have a break where people can go and put on their heavy coats, their fur-lined parkas, their mufflers and so forth. And then, then in about 20 minutes, we can meet in the hmm? half an hour. Half an hour, so it'll be 10 o'clock, we can uh, meet in the, where, in here? In the cloister, okay. And there's paper and pencils out in the entrance for you who want to write down these things.